is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Drew Dudley to the show. Drew and I will talk about leadership and how it applies to people at all levels within an organization. Drew, welcome to the show. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure to be here. I'm totally geeked out. I love, love, love your book. I've read it, and I get a lot of books, Drew, so the fact that I read all of them uh, is not always true, but I read your book cover to cover. It's delicious, and I'm eager to unpack it with you. What prompted you to write it? Let's get started with that. Well, first of all, I've never heard the book called Delicious before, (laughs) and I want that on the cover of the next edition. Count me in. I wrote this because I found that uh, I got frustrated with the leadership being presented as uh, me trying to meet people in the place where they might be one day as leaders rather than where they were in terms of their comfort level. I found that way too many people who were extraordinary individuals, who were driven, who were contributing to their communities, just didn't see themselves as leaders. And I realized it's because of how we taught it that we taught it in a way that made most people feel it wasn't part of their identity. And I wanted to focus on reminding people that the vast majority of leadership on the planet is coming from people who don't see themselves as leaders. And I wanted to challenge that head on. And, you know, I'm so grateful that you did because the reality is we're in this really interesting time of multi-generational workplaces. You know, the olders are passing the baton to the youngers. And the truth is people are becoming leaders in certain scenarios earlier than they thought. And you don't need to wait for the title, right, or the rank to consider yourself a leader. So I was really grateful learning about how you redefined leadership. But talk a little bit more about that. How can we change how we're socialized about seeing ourselves as leaders? Well, what's interesting is that we can't change how we're socialized, but we can change how the next generation is. Ultimately, the book is about how we should shift our definition of leadership or our understanding of leadership, really our evaluation of it, from blocks of time to daily. And it's based on the premise that when we wake up in the morning, every single one of us has accomplished the exact same amount to earn the title of leader. Absolutely nothing. None of us, whether you're the CEO or you're the person who sweeps the floors in an organization, when you wake up in the morning, you have done nothing to live up to the title of leader. And if throughout the course of that day, the CEO does not engage in behaviors that add impact and courage and empowerment and growth and and class and self-respect to this world, and the janitor does, then the janitor has behaved like a leader that day. And that type of framing of leadership means that every single person is able to engage in leadership behaviors every day. And if we recognize it like that, we can start to see that we were taught to equate leadership with accolades and accomplishments earned over time rather than focusing on whether or not our behavior today is consistent with something that will add value to the world, our organizations, and each other. And when you focus on it as a daily evaluation, you start to realize that everybody's starting at the same place. And I hope that means that everybody will recognize both the opportunity and the obligation to engage in these individual moments and behaviors of leadership because where you're from, where your ti- what your title is, how much money you make, or how smart you think you are has nothing to do 
with your leadership. It's just how you behave. You know, I'm so grateful as a career coach to hear you say it and endorse it so beautifully in the book. And my observation, and it's a very generalist response, is that many organizations are flattening their hierarchical ladders, right, to incorporate this behavioral change and accountability and opportunity, as you've said. Do you see this seeping into the workplace now with with leadership on all levels? I think so. I think what's key is that when we talk about flattening organizations, uh, we can talk about how there might not be as much of a hierarchical decision-making structure where there's certain leaders with titles at the top. But I think what's really important is that even as we flatten organizations or workplaces, that there's still accountability uh, ultimately. Yeah. Because that was people say, oh, well, flattened workplaces don't don't work. Well, I'm like, they don't work if we also evenly distribute accountability for organizational uh, accomplishments. Ultimately, somebody has to be accountable for getting things done or it doesn't. However, the idea that leadership expectations, that is that people will behave in a way where their focus is on empowering others and engaging in behaviors that make their lives, the lives of their coworkers better, that's expected from everybody or that decision-making can be dissipated such that it doesn't flow upwards and orders flow downwards, that works. But ultimately, there does have to be accountability. Now, one of the things I talk about in the book, and one of the ways I want people to frame leadership, is think of your own life as if it is an organization. You are the CEO of that organization. You're responsible for the day-to-day operations. And ultimately, the different departments in your organization have to be managed effectively. There has to be the family side. There has to be the business side. There has to be the mental health side and the physical health side. And that means that you as the CEO are ultimately accountable for the performance of each of those departments. What this is day one, the leadership concept talks about is saying, okay, here are the organizational goals each day to live up to these specific values. I talk about six specific ones in the book, although the book is about figuring out what your values are and then creating that personal accountability. So within an organization, yeah, we can dissipate leadership and decision-making. We still have to keep accountability. But on an individual level, on, in your own life, if you realize that you're the CEO of your corporation, there are these various parts where you have to be accountable on a daily basis for certain deliverables. And that is behavior that feeds all of these different parts of your personal organization, if that makes any sense. It totally makes sense. I love that. Thank you for the clarity there. You know, something that really struck me in the book, you talk about, you write about catalysts for harm. Those people that hold formal and often powerful leadership roles that really aren't leaders at all, but they're they're power mongers and catalysts for harm. Tell us about that and, and what we can do to stop that. Yeah, you know what that was, is that I kept being challenged when I was talking about the importance of focusing on values that that add value to other people, is that I would get challenged by, first by students and now by really the broader society, well, what about these individuals who rise to immense power, they run an organization, but their organization uh, makes shoes and sweatshops in Malaysia, or what they do is they sort of abuse their employees to rise to the top. They're leaders too, aren't they? And the problem was when we give individuals like that the same title of leader, it sort of gives people the idea that there's an option. Sure, you can do it in a way that adds value and lives up to core positive values, or you can do it in a way that's ruthless and cutthroat. But at the end, if you get the results, you're still a leader. I believe individuals who choose to exploit other people and step on other people 
and act in the best interest of themselves first and organizations and other people second aren't leaders at all. And we should not give them the same title. The idea of a catalyst, it was actually one of my science teachers in high school that said it, a catalyst, or he taught me, a catalyst is something that create that allows the potential of something around it to happen faster. It unleashes the power that exists within the things around it. And I thought, that is a great way of looking at it. That's what a leader does. Now, all leaders are catalysts, but not all catalysts are leaders. Right. And right. I, wanted a, I wanted a term where I could say to individuals, that example you just gave me, that Hitler example, that, uh, that CEO cutthroat example, that political example, that's not a leader. That is a catalyst for harm. Yes, they make things happen. Yes, they unleash. But leaders expand people's capacity. They expand their skills. They expand their opportunities. They expand their rights. That's what a leader does. Catalysts for harm limit for their own for their own benefit. They limit rights. They limit opportunities. They limit freedom. So there's a difference. And I don't think we should use the same term for individuals who expand people's opportunities and benefit society and individuals who exploit others for their own gain, just because they're successful at doing that, we should not use the same title. Stop calling them leaders and start recognizing them for what they are. That's a catalyst for harm. And I'll tell you, no young person aspires to be a catalyst for harm, but they do aspire to be a leader. So let's differentiate between those two. Excellent. Drew, hold on. We'll be right back after a quick break and we're going to dive back into this delicious conversation. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. Drew Dudley, good to have you back after a quick break. I want to talk about happiness at work. It's really a trending topic now, and you speak eloquently that it's not a goal, but a byproduct of our daily behaviors. But how can we be more conscious at work and as leaders to behave in ways that make us happy? Well, I, I think you're right. Happiness, so many of the things that we are taught to treat as goals, happiness, and then money, which unfortunately we tie between the, the two, happiness and money, but money and happiness and respect, we treat them as goals, but they're not. They are the byproducts of how we behave on a daily basis. And as such, one of the things that I think we need to do if we want to focus on increased happiness is making sure we give ourselves evidence every day that we are someone of worth, that we are someone who matters, and we are someone who acts in a way of which we are proud. What I talk about in the book is what I call the leadership test. The idea is, is that you identify a core set of values that you believe are essential to you being the person that you want. And then you make sure you give yourself evidence every day that you have actually lived up to those things. Because it is way easier to stand up for something than it is to live up to something. In the book, I give six examples of things that I believe great leaders would live up to every day or values. And that is impact, growth, 
courage, empowerment, class, and self-respect. That's six values. Each one of those values has an associated question with it. And by the end of each day, I need to know that I have answered at least three of those six questions to answer the leadership test. And when I do that, even on the days where everything outside of my control blows up in my face, I know that I was someone who lived up to the person I wanted to be that day. Even if it didn't work out, I didn't waste that day. I, I, I fought the good fight and I may have lost that day, but it wasn't a waste. Ultimately, one of the things that I think stands in the way of, of happiness is that we don't necessarily feel like we're doing what we want to do every day. And I think one of the pro things I want to acknowledge in the type of leadership I talk about is that you're not always in charge of what you have to do every day. Right. But you're always in charge of who you are. And it, unless we use that power, we sometimes forget it and we start to feel helpless. And when you feel helpless, you don't feel happy. Ultimately, what I try to teach is how to identify behaviors you are always completely in charge of every day so that you never go through a day where you did not use the power to be the person that you want to be. Because some days it's the only positive thing that happens to you. And, we, and if we aren't conscious about it, what we're doing is we're dooming ourselves to all of our self-worth being delivered or expected externally. And if you don't, if you only look to happiness externally, you're condemning yourself to a life without it. You've got to make sure that at the end of the day, you can point to things that ultimately you did that live up to who you want to be. And while it might not always make you joyous, it will always make you feel a little bit more satisfied and a little bit more fulfilled, which means you're likely to feel happy more often. You know, I'm really grateful that you use the word power because so many professionals relinquish their power. And I think we, we need to be empowered, right? And, and tap the power that we have. And as you said, take ownership and accountability of our behavior, for example. But I want to segue this into workplace and organizational culture. Again, a real buzz phrase, right? And culture eats strategy for breakfast. You know, you've heard all the wonderful uh, paradigms about how important culture is, but how do we help people really understand the leadership values that drive them that impact culture? Well, ultimately, any organizational culture is built on personal cultures, right? So an organizational culture can't just be created in a vacuum and then you slip people into it. Ultimately, what has to happen is that the personal cultures of leadership within an organization have to create the global culture. And one of the things I talk about in the book is how important a personal culture of leadership is. Now, a culture is the creation of expectations that drive people's behavior without them realizing it. Because if you don't live up to a certain cultural expectation, there's pushback. So what I really found fascinating was that this identification of our personal values plays a huge role in organizational culture. And you'd think that that's not the case. But what research shows is that the more people within an organization who are fully aware of their own personal leadership values – the better off the organization is. Right. That's regardless of whether or not they understand what the company values are. But all the money in culture, or sorry, all the money in consulting goes into what are our company values, where in fact, we'd be better off focusing on what are the personal values and making sure that we understand our personal values. And that actually leads to a much better workplace because people then understand what is expected of them, what they expect from themselves, 
what their colleagues expect from themselves, and that allows for more predictable decision-making and less conflict, if that makes any sense. It totally does, and I would tell you, too, from my lens as a career coach, you know, our values change over time, depending upon our life scenario, our, our personal lives, right? So values ebb and flow, and I think checking in periodically to assess what your values are and, and have those conversations with your colleagues, with your teammates, to make sure that there's some alignment or at least clarity for yourself on what's important in your value system. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because we talk about value alignment with companies, and this isn't a popular thing I say, but I'm often like, you know what, we don't really, don't we shouldn't worry so much about value alignment within our organizations and our, our personal values. What we need to avoid is value conflict. Yeah. Because there aren't a ton of values that actually conflict, maybe kindness and honesty. But what you, if someone's uh, value is customer service as an organization and someone's personal value is compassion, those are completely aligned. We don't have yeah. to worry about whether they're the same. We have to worry about whether or not they conflict. Beautifully said. So, Drew, bring us home. Help us understand uh, some tips, right? Well, of course, I want people to read your book, and I'm going to tell them how to get it in just a, just a second. But for those listening around the world and they say, gosh, I need to improve my leadership skills, where do I start, right? What's the baby step opportunity? Sure. Here's a couple. One, uh, for the next week, make sure that you answer this question. You have an answer by the end of the day. What have I done to recognize someone else's leadership? Leadership recognized is leadership created. And one of the key ways that we can improve our own leadership and that of the people around us, have an answer for that question by the end of every day. What have I done today to recognize someone else's leadership? That's tied to the value of impact. Then here's one tied to the value of class. And this is a career saver in my world. Three words that you should repeat over and over again as a mantra, and you'll know exactly when you need them. Elevate, don't escalate. As you go through your career and as you interact with other people, personally and professionally, when you're getting triggered, when you're feeling angry, when that adrenaline starts to flow, just run this three-word mantra through your brain. Elevate, don't escalate. Leaders elevate, they never escalate. Elevating means trying to succeed. Escalating means trying to win. Leaders elevate, they never escalate. Use that three-word mantra whenever you need it because it's a career saver. Elevate, don't escalate. Words to live by. Drew Dudley, you are a rock star. I want to thank you for joining me on Your Working Life. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to speak with you about your incredible new book, which is titled, This is Day One, A Practical Guide to Leadership That Matters. And of course, it's available on Amazon and all major book retailers. And I hope our global audience will check it out immediately. So thank you for joining me, Drew. It's been such a great treat for me. Oh, thank you. It has been delicious. Yeah. And hey, to all of you listening out there, if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review. And here's why. Your review helps people find us online. And let us know what career-minded issues you would like to hear about on the show. You can find me on Twitter at cdowdhiggins or send me a direct email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. And I always want to give a shout out to my extraordinary Your Working Life colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our Executive Producer. Thank you for the expert work you do to make this show awesome for our audience. I'm Caroline Doubt Higgins. Thanks for listening. <laughs>